A factor that seems casual is claiming tens of thousands of LGBT lives every year. Tobacco. Yes, smoking cigarettes can damage nearly every part of our bodies. So we choose to keep this life free from tobacco. This free life. Freedom to be tobacco free. This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. From burnout and exhaustion to joy and fulfillment. Through the act of serving consciously, it's time to rediscover your passion. It's live with Elizabeth and guests on the Contact Talk Radio Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Serving Consciously. I'm your host, Elizabeth Bishop, and I'm so pleased that you're able to join us today. Heading into this festive season, um, I hope that everybody is ready for their holidays and however you are celebrating. So today, um, we are looking at the element of the conscious service approach that I call enlightened communication. And for me, when I use the term enlightened communication, I'm looking at the difference between Effective communication as sort of an intellectual process and understanding the strategies that help us to communicate with each other and then deepening those um, processes and really bringing to life the way that we are interacting and communicating with each other. So today I am so pleased to introduce you to my guest. I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. Um, my guest today is Rob Barrett, and he's been a friend and a colleague of mine for many, many years and has always been one of the most joyous and funny people that I know. Rob has a background in social work, and he's been the executive director for a number of agencies in Thunder Bay, Ontario, which is here in Canada, uh, including the Catholic Family Development Centre, the Shelter House, and Rob is currently now the executive director with Youth Employment Services. And Rob is a, a dad, a husband, a dad, a family man, and he's been a senior manager for over 25 years. And he draws on a number of parallels between the positions that he holds in his family and personally and the positions that he holds uh, professionally. And, and Rob says you have to love what you do. You have to surround yourself with really good people, and you have to be able to share laughter. And in both of these roles, he's learned very much how to benefit from the use of humor some of it, he says, stems from growing up in a home with very funny people. Some of it is currently living in a home with very funny people. And some of it is his own sense of non-entitlement. It keeps him honest, working hard, but also has him questioning whether he deserves to be where he is. And today, as we look at enlightened communication, we're going to look specifically at the role of humor and bringing lightness and joy into the way that we communicate and interact with each other. So, Rob, I'm so pleased that you're able to be here with us. Welcome. Thank you. I, I'm even more pleased. Thank you, Elizabeth. <laughs> Do you think you could tell us a little bit about your journey and how you came to be doing the work that you're doing now? Wow, strap yourselves in. Very boring, <laughs> long journey. Um, I don't know how much time you have, but what I find in my life is that I'm so absolutely fortunate and privileged to be where I am and in the the kind of role that I am in, and not just at work here at Yes Employment Services in Thunder Bay, but also just to live in the neighborhood I do and, and have the family set up I do, and even with our siblings, and just so very fortunate. And, and I guess some of that came from, as you said, Elizabeth, growing up in, in a very funny house where we talked about little more than the funny things that happened to us every day, either at school or at work. And um, I guess for me, a lot of 
my childhood was spent in and out of hospital and knowing at certain points that I, I could have and maybe should have died and knowing then that I'm very privileged and really, really am thankful for the opportunity to really enjoy life because it's such a bonus for me. And, and because of that, I'm able to take a step, step back a lot of the time and appreciate it because it, it, it's something that I may have evaded me at a certain point. And I think because of that, I've been able to inject the same kind of humor that other people have given me. And as a result, my day is a lot like a sitcom. It's just really, really fun to be a part of. <laughs> I love that. So, you know, I, you, when you were saying about spending time as a child in and out of hospitals, it made me think of that old, you know, saying that old cliche, laughter is the best medicine. Was that part of what you learned during that time to just be joyful and, and to engage in laughter and that kind of thing to help you through what you were going through? And not being very bright um, also helped. Um, but in those days, too, like, the medical folks, especially doctors, really knew their stuff. Like, they were the experts. Um, now we're finding out that they actually do know their stuff, and they are experts. But there are things like humor and spirituality and just belief systems that can certainly enhance, if not challenge, that kind of expertise. And in those days... I remember when I was five and my mom was told he's probably not going to make it through the night. Um, he's too sick. He's got pneumonia and fluid in his lungs. And and the sweetest woman, I guess she was a retired nurse, I found out afterwards, was basically there to have me leave this world in as, as enjoyable a way as possible. And so she'd read me books all night and, and she'd say, are you hungry? And I'd say, sure. And she'd say, what would you like? I go, how about a cheeseburger? Um, because at five, I didn't realize I was supposed to be checking out. And I'd get my cheeseburger and have it, and I thought, wow, this dying thing's really something. Um, and that's what my life has been a lot about. It, it's It's been just kind of floating through, uh, getting through those those really tough areas and being with really loving humor uh, people who are also humorous. And mm-hmm. I think Really nice humor um, comes from a really loving place. And that's what I've learned from my dad and, and my mom and, and actually their extended family as well. They're really, really funny people. And it doesn't come at the expense of anybody, which I really, over the years, have come to appreciate. I love that you said that because sometimes I was thinking about, about this the other day and thinking, okay, we're going to talk about enlightened communication and the role of humor and it's not just about cracking jokes or, like you said, making fun of or, you know, laughing at other people. I mean, sometimes to me, and I've said this for years, is sometimes the funniest jokes are, you know, just observing myself. Yes. And, and yeah, and having that ability to laugh at, at my own process and my own foibles and struggles and stuff. And, and really, I think the ability to be able to do that is so precious because... Gosh, we'd miss at least half the jokes if we weren't able to laugh at ourselves, you know. But I think that, yeah, and I think that when we talk about humor as a part of enlightened communication, the fact that genuine humor and funniness and that lightness has to come from that loving place. I think that's a really important, powerful point. 
It, it's so true. And I think some of the funniest moments for me have come exactly as you said, Elizabeth, at funerals. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the best laughs I've had recently was from a friend, a line delivered from a friend who was dying. And he was just so at peace with himself that he could deliver a, a nice little one-liner. He basically said, you know, um, I'm going to be checking out soon. Um, so make sure that um, you take everything away from my room when I pass. I've already gone through security. I've got my boarding passes all. And he made it sound <laughs> like it, he was just going on a flight somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I did a double check because I started to laugh and I went, oh, my gosh, should I even be laughing at this point? But he was. And yeah. that's, what it's, that's what it's really about. It's It's just one more way that when we talk about serving consciously, I think it's being so aware of who we're trying to connect to and and really zeroing in on that. And that's where he was, and it was a pleasure to be there. He made it so much easier for me with him dying the way he did. Isn't that absolutely amazing? And I've, I've noticed that so many times over my life, too, both personally and professionally, that... <clears throat> You know, when we're in that helping role, you know, and we're there to be providing support to other people, that sometimes that other person, actually a lot of the time, is teaching us in that moment, if we're paying attention, what they need. And same, yeah, and same thing when we're, you know, maybe going through a difficult time in our lives, and we think, oh, you know, I mean, the thought process of the ego mind might be saying other people need to figure out what I need and how to help me and how to be here for me. But the reality is, is that we're actually showing other people what we need and where we want to be, you know, and trying to get people to take our lead in that moment, too. So I think it's I think that's really a paradox and it's interesting, you know. It is even even in the phrase. I remember my mom used to say it a lot. You know, I didn't know whether I should laugh or cry mm-hmm. because depending upon where she was, she would do either one. And that really was a huge lesson for me because it equated it for me because sometimes it felt better to laugh and safer to laugh. And, of course, you'll raise a lot of eyebrows if you laugh in the wrong setting. So you really have to be sensitive to that. Yes, and I think that that's part of the whole thing as well, sort of. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I mean, I think laughing and crying are just two ends you know, two opposite ends of the same spectrum, basically a release of emotion. And sometimes it, you know, it does come out or it could potentially come out at times that don't seem socially appropriate, right? But yeah. having that sensitivity to the other people around, you know, um, and how your emotional response might also impact them is so important. And again, I think part of engaging in enlightened communication, like we can know that logically, but mm-hmm. really taking that down into our hearts and being able to live from that space to me is a more enlightened moment, you know? Yeah. And it, it's what I've learned over the years, the hard way uh, is that humor can't be forced, you know, and yep. it has to be as natural as sincerity and, and any other things that, that we can do to uh, really make ourselves more comfortable. And, and a lot of my one-liners over the years have died, but hopefully <laughs> I've, I've learned from those. Um, yes. and I, and I find that by opening up to the door to other people, um, it really enriches my life. You know, when, when I'm at a restaurant and especially if it's kind of a business luncheon and it's a little bit tense and, you know, you don't know exactly what we're going to talk about or how we're going to get there. And, and then the, the server asked me if I have any 
allergies and I'll say, yeah, cats. Um, <laughs> and then I, it opens up the door and then I've had everything from, um, we don't serve cats today, uh, but tomorrow if you want to come back. And it just opens up the door for other people to be really funny and tip their hand and share that humor that they're not always comfortable in doing. And then everybody yeah. cracks up around the table typically, right? And then it loosens things. It loosens and it lightens it, right? Really breaks the, the ice if there is that tension there. I think that's a great example of how to incorporate it. And it's not at anybody's expense. I mean, that's you're right. answering the question in a, in a funny kind of way, you know? Yeah, and that's what typically I find with humor is, is I usually position myself as the dumb guy, which believe me, doesn't take a lot of work. And, <laughs> and, and that way, I, and I, and I usually just end up changing the dynamic a little bit in that way. So I took actually what is true, like a, a real allergy, allergic to cats, and I put it in that context. And that's one thing that I've seen over and over, um, from different folks over the years. And, from unexpected folks. And now I'm discovering that with everybody, I try to open that door because I find that just about everybody's really funny. It's just they don't give themselves permission a lot of the time. Yes. And I think, I mean, you really hit on something there too that I think is key when we talk about humor and, and what's funny. It's very subjective, right? Very. I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, some things are funny to some people and not to others. And I always feel like, you know, when we're using humor as a part of our communication with other people, that it's important that, um, you know, the end result. I, I mean, it's fine if we, you know, you say something or you make the joke or whatever. Not everybody gets it. Like you say, the one liners die. But I mean, people can still see the humor in it. Everyone needs to be laughing in order for it to be funny. So, again, not at the expense of somebody else's you know um quirks or personality or whatever it might be for sure and i and i don't know about other people's um, experiences but for me even going to school the way i did and and missing a lot of school and then coming back and playing catch up and and i know uh even in grade seven i missed a ton of school i skipped a ton of school because i just felt like i couldn't catch up and and the teachers that really I connected with had humor and they made their classrooms fun. They made learning fun. And that really influenced the way that I work at work as well. Um, there were other folks that thought, no, learning is very serious. Um, we won't have that, those kinds of shenanigans here, which unfortunately kind of spurred me on to do more. Um, <laughs> and those are reflected in my marks, but also, it can't be my agenda. And what I've learned over the years is when it's it's right, it's right. And when it's not, don't force it. But even with those teachers and or coworkers who are a little more serious minded, um, if if you open the door, they quite often will enter. And it's nice. But you don't want everybody around work with clown noses on either. We need to celebrate everybody and everybody's differences. But I find that humor is a really nice way of connecting people with each other. I agree. And I think that's so important. That was one of the things I wanted to ask you, sort of things to to avoid or to take into consideration. And I think that we've been discussing that along the way here already. You know, how about if you find yourself in um, a really challenging situation, challenging interaction, potentially maybe even conflict? Have you had experiences where, um, 
sort of the energy of humor. I mean, obviously not sitting down cracking the jokes and stuff like that, but the energy of humor can help to lighten, lighten those kinds of scenarios. For sure, I think, and I, and, and unfortunately, I found myself in conflict a lot. Um, I think that, uh, I've tripped upon it sometimes because it's, it's the elephant in the room and, and, uh, sometimes I'm, I'm so naive that I just will, I burst into a room like Kramer sometimes and, and I'm learning from that. Uh, because we need to be gentle with each other and I, and I find with conflict, uh, that it's something that I used to avoid and now it's something that I, I really try to pursue as gently as I can because it's a conversation that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And I try not to override it with my humor. I used to do that. That was part of my conflict avoidance back in the day. And I used to think that was really productive, but all it did was delay the inevitable. Uh, and, and sometimes I think you want to do that because you, maybe you're not ready to have that conversation, but for me, because I become more comfortable with myself, uh, I really find humor maybe as part of the sprinkling for that, but but certainly can't be the main course in a, in a conflict kind of resolution. Once you get through that, I think humor starts to enter into it again, and then it's all good. And sometimes what I find with especially workplace humor is we reminisce about those things. And so sometimes we'll even refer back to maybe a conflict area that you, you're kind of, the person who's delivering that line is kind of seeing if it's safe that we can go back there and tip our dough in, our toe in, in the water and go, is it safe to talk about that? Is it safe to joke about it? Because sometimes that's the safest way to do that. Uh, yeah. I really enjoy that. I think that's a, that's a really great point. And I love what you hit on there too, that recognizing how Humor has had this role in your life and, and being funny and being able to laugh and sort of bringing that energy into things has, well, like anything can be sometimes, right, a double-edged sword in a way. So it can be things that either progress the communication forward and, and actually do work to lighten the situation or it can be something that we use in order to avoid. And I think you really made a clear distinction there. It's like any of our qualities, right? For sure. Uh, that can be used for for uh, positive or for or in constructive or destructive ways. Yeah, and I and I think I've just been so privileged to have teachers along the way in my life take me aside and say, "Did you see what you did there? Did you see how you kind of we were sort of moving towards that crescendo of emotion, and you just totally took it away, and it should have happened." Um, just because of my own discomfort. And so I've, I've learned to grow more comfortable with that. Um, and again, that happens when you're more accepting of yourself and of the people in the room because you'll just allow that to happen. And, and sometimes the humor, if it's done well, will move you towards that edge that you need to get to. Yes, that's a beautiful point. But what a great demonstration, too, of being open to hearing the feedback about how you're communicating and how it's impacting within the group or within the specific interaction. Yeah. And I think again, like I don't always listen the first time I've had people (laughs) say things over and over again. And I think for me, um, when I think about my humor and like Bob Newhart comes to mind because I kind of, I stumble, I have a little bit of a stammer and, uh, 
I'm not always clear. And so I think my delivery, although not one that will strike anybody right between the eyes with either its power or its clarity, is really comfortable for people because they know it's not polished and and it seems to endear them a little bit to me um and and so i think i can i can put people at ease and then if i throw in a self-deprecating or as my oldest son puts it self-depreciating because the lines just get older and older um, <laughs> uh it's it's really nice for people and it's comfortable. And I know when I've been at my most tense, when I've been flying, because I don't like to fly, um, heading for some medical procedure, whatever that looks like, and people have delivered a really nice, gentle line that is funny and it's real. It's such a nice way to touch with people. And, yeah. and the feedback I've gotten over the years and certainly the way I felt is that that's just a gift when it happens. I totally agree. That's beautiful. I think it's a great chance for us right now to take a quick little break. And we'll come back and talk some more about enlightened communication and humor. You're listening to Serving Consciously, and I'm your host, Elizabeth Bishop. We'll be right back with Rob Barrett right after this message. Is part of your life mission to be of service to others? Making a difference in the world is a tall order. You are the resource when it comes to serving humanity. Beyond taking care of yourself, learn to create self-connection in your life. Integrate who you are with what you do find a source of inspiration and energy that surpasses your wildest imagination. Register for the Self-Connection Series at www.elizabethbishopconsulting.com. Look under Programs and Services for details. Are you a helping professional looking for inspiration? resources, and community. Visit socialworkhelper.com for relevant articles and learning opportunities. Connect with other difference makers in the world. Socialworkhelper.com Welcome back. You're listening to Serving Consciously. I'm Elizabeth Bishop, and today we're talking to Rob Barrett, and we've been talking about um, enlightened communication and the role of humor and how humor can be used to, well, 
lighten situations and to create connection. And we uh, were talking before the break as well about use um, in times of conflict. And Rob, I'm wondering if you could um, maybe tell listeners a little bit about your professional roles, and then we can talk a bit about how you've incorporated humor and and in that in, in the way that you communicate with people as well. So can you can you give us a little bit of background on that? Sure. I, I uh, I'm a social worker by training and have been basically in a helping role for over 30 years now. And uh, frankly, I look at it and um, I've enjoyed every second of it. Uh, I, I think one of the things that happened to me was I wasn't actually formally trained as a social worker until about 25 years into the, the work when I finally thought, hey, I might want to just refer to myself as a social worker and actually go back to school and get the formal training and those degrees. So I finally did that and had wow. the pleasure of doing that with um, my wife, Mary Beth. Uh-huh. And I think because of the fact that I kind of backed into the profession, I really had to listen to people and I had to work with them. And it just became so real. And I had to be such a good, good, I think, accompanier in, on their journeys. And they, and the folks I worked with from many different fields, from homelessness to respite care to protective service work to counseling and then this latest role I'm in is employment where I feel I'm I'm in a really important position to help people and I can help change their lives with, especially right now where the right job at the right time can actually do that. Mm -hmm. And I find that there's such discomfort along the way that I've had to bring in humor. Uh, I, I remember being at the homeless shelter a number of years ago and we had this homeless gentleman come to us and he was a very large man. Um, we had some pretty big people on staff and they were all very afraid of him. And it just so happened that a family member called and asked if, if we could drive him to the airport and get him on a flight so we can get back home again because his family actually loved him and supported him. And, and so None of the staff felt comfortable taking him, so I, I took him in my vehicle, and and there was such tension in in our in the car when I'm driving, and and I thought I you know I probably should have let Mary Beth and the kids know that I love them, and so I remember getting to the airport, and there's the little button you push to go into the parking area, and there's a ticket there, and as we drove up, I rolled down the window. And I said, I would like a large double-double. And I turned to him, would you like one? And he actually broke out laughing. And um, so I got the ticket. We went in. And from that point on, it was so easy to be with him. And he actually started talking to me. And he was such a large man that actually the security, at least in those days, asked me to go into the lounge and sit with him until he got he boarded the airplane because they were also so intimidated by him. But by that time, we had such a nice rapport that I felt that we could do just about anything together. And that was another way that I felt humor was so important because it just let us both relax and, and be real. Yes, and connect on that human level. And what a way of creating... Um, a sense of, of rapport and connection with somebody when 
especially too when you're just going to be with that person for a limited period of time. You know, it's not going to be a long ongoing uh, working or helping relationship. Um, you're just sort of in that little piece in his journey. Yeah, and I am so privileged to be that little piece because all I had to do was connect him with the plane that would take him home to his family that loved him. So it was a really nice part of that, and I'm so glad that we were able to connect on that. And and I that's where I, again I just feel that humor is such a beautiful way to people for people to share. And you know, I think there's a couple of things that are popping up for me here right now. I remember. Um, being at a conference several years ago in Thunder Bay when Dr. Matei was uh, presenting there, Gabor Matei, and mm-hmm. somebody had asked him about, you know, making connection with people and what if you only have, you know, it's a short-term thing or maybe it's a crisis kind of intervention or whatever, and you're not going to be working with the person for a long period of time to sort of help through all of the subsequent hoops or whatever, right, that might need to be navigated. Right. And he talked about what you just gave a perfect example about, that presence and engagement in the moment, that maybe that is really all that we need to be focused on, that presence and that engagement in the moment, and not about trying to, you know, I'm using quotes in the air here, fix something or um, change somebody's entire life, but to be present and engaged in the moment with the person at that point for the part that you are playing in, in your, you know, in your interaction with them. And that's exactly what you just talked about, enlightening that space and time and uh, helping him to feel at ease as he was going on this next step of his journey. I think it's a beautiful example. I'm going to need a tissue. <laughs> oh, Rob, you're so funny. <laughs> Exactly why I asked you for this one. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Now, I wanted, there was something else that I was thinking about. Well, I think you gave another really good example there again of what you said earlier um, in our conversation about it not being forced. And I yeah. think that's the thing with you that that is just so apparent, so readily apparent, is it's natural. Like, this is naturally who who you are and how you show up. And and I don't know, I mean, maybe that was part of, like you said, from your experiences as a little one and not, you know, understanding on the intellectual capacity the sort of gravity of the situation that you were in when you were sick, but just really connecting to joyful people, connecting to things that were fun and how you could continue to have a sense of enjoyment because you didn't, you didn't know from a... a intellectual perspective what was happening for you at that time it's it's true and yet uh, i was on uh, prednisone years ago that actually caused depression for me wow and i was i was very very uh i was shocked because i'd always been this fairly outgoing kind of happy guy and all of a sudden i'd say to mary beth if you're going to call me ring three times hang up and then call back twice or otherwise I'm not going to answer. And we had two little ones at that point and I should have been the happiest man on the planet. And yet I felt like I was going to burst into tears if I talked to people. And so I was off work for a a number of weeks anyway. And and it was only when 
I went to a psychiatrist where we started exploring some of what might be contributing towards this, where it was discovered that I guess prednisone affects the serotonin levels in, in a person's brain. And so once we discovered that, I got off it. After sh- fairly short order, I was, I was back, um, mostly to myself, but questioning about how normal or happy I was again. And that was such a gift, although I didn't see it at the time. But it gave me such insight to then relate to other people who've gone through that. And I I know that for most folks to talk about depression or, or going through that kind of darkness, it would be difficult to inject humor, but yet I found humor such a, a great haven and a way to connect again with those folks because that almost becomes a taboo where they shouldn't, that's, that's an area they don't go unless they're happy. But the irony is if they start to go there with humor when they're, they're not really feeling like it, actually it can bridge them back to happiness or, or certainly more pleasure. Yes. I Thanks totally for staying awake for that, by the way. That went on much longer than I thought. <laughs> no, that was that was awesome. Because, I mean, again, like we talked about sort of the laughing and crying being two opposite ends of the spectrum as far as an emotional expression. But that experience of joy and then the experience of sort of the dark night of the soul or depression, again, it's just part of the emotional landscape. And And I do think that there are things that we can do and, and humor being one of them or things that, that just lighten that part up, you know, and reconnect us to a foundation, like a foundation of joy. Yeah. And I think that, and and I think there's been lots of stories of, of folks who go out and actively seek ways to laugh. And I know for me, I've attended laughing, laughter yoga and, but primarily my laughter comes from every day because I'm kind of like a Mr. Bean without even meaning to be. And I, I think my kids will come up every day with a screen in front of them and say, dad, you have to see this video. And it's kind of cool because they're bringing stuff to me that is new, new, um, material that I'd never even heard of. And I'm bringing stuff to them from Jerry Lewis to Bob Newhart to Jonathan Winters that they didn't know about. And it's just this celebration of laughter and and the different ways that we approach humor because it can all work. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what I think too? I mean there's I mean there's science behind that. I mean it, laughing, you know, you know just, just like, like they, they did, did the the, the experiment, experiment I saw many, many years ago where people, people um you know were chopping onions and they were, onions, and they were collecting, collecting their tears and test tubes and then they were also collecting the tears of people who were watching, you know, a sad movie who were crying from an emotional response and there was a hormone present in the tears of the people people that were crying at the movie that wasn't there in the people who you know, who had, who had tears over the onions and they were talking using that experiment or whatever that data to show that crying as an emotional release is actually releasing these hormones and, and helping us to feel better. And laughter does the same thing. I mean, there's nothing like having one of those really good belly laughs that usually often ends up leading to crying anyway. Yeah. (laughs) That shifts, you know, your whole energy and your whole, your mood. It's very so true. Yeah, very true. And I think I've I've been lucky enough to work in a number of workplaces, especially here at Yes, 
Very funny people work here, and yet very committed people work here. And and we've had a number of meetings where if people walk by, they've stopped asking now because it's like, what were you guys laughing about? Now it just happens all the time, and some real good belly laughs. And it's just such a healthy release of everything. Again, just really privileged. I love that. And, I mean, you know, it's we talked um, – a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about co-creating community and and how we each as individuals are contributing to the energy of the community situation or the sense of community. And that just struck me when you were talking right now because that is your that is your energy and that is your frame of mind when you're coming in there, um, you know, to bring joy really. And humor to me is the way that we're talking about it today is um, an expression of being joyful. It is, and I, one of the things I found too is, is I do, I try to deliver things in such a way that it doesn't require anything from the person or the, or the audience. So I, I just want to say what I think is the right thing to say and then I'll quickly move on because I think quite often in our world there's such strings attached and I just try to be my own person. So for example, Mary Beth and I go out this morning and our neighbor has the hood up on his vehicle. And so I ask if he needs a boost because Mary Beth's really handy with cars. And of course it's very cold and he kind of looks at me, are you serious? And, and anyway, we all had a good chuckle, but I find that's, that's kind of a nice way of saying, do you, um, do you need help? Um, and then a funny way to make it easier on everybody. And of course, Mary Beth got to the point where she just rolls her eyes. <laughs> As my son puts that old, you know, depreciating humor. But I find for the people who are listening, you know, they, they're looking at me, seeing how sincere I am, and then they've got a little chuckle, and they quite often have a one-liner of their own. Yes, yes. But again, a perfect example of, you know, that's a situation when it's freezing cold and the car's not running and it's early in the morning, et cetera, et cetera, that people are not necessarily feeling joyful and light. And that's a way of contributing without, you know, sort of trying to poke at him. You know what I mean? When he's in a bad mood. <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, and you're right. And, and he ended up, he was only putting windshield washer fluid in there. But it's it's a way, so if he walks away, he knows that I've noticed him, which we want to do as neighbors when we care for each other. And, yes. and I think it's, it's a way to sort of playfully do that. Um, you know, I, I could have gone over and, and, you know, kind of tugged on my belt buckle and rolled up my sleeves and, and I've had those kinds of guys do that to me where they just kind of knock me out of the way and they just want to work on my car when it doesn't really require that. Yes. Yeah. So offering the help without taking over, right? And and diagnosing the the situation. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what you're saying earlier, where we just want to accompany people on their journey and do what we can to help, but ultimately just honor their path, whatever that looks like. Absolutely. And I think too, you know, the other thing that pops into my head when you're using the the uh scenario from this morning with the guy the neighbor with his car, um, sometimes we think that we have to be all serious in, in situations that look like, you know, there's a problem or there's a challenge or, you know, maybe there's a tragedy or whatever, and that we have to 
lower our own emotional energy in order to be with people. And we actually can learn to maintain a light energy and connect with people really, really well. We don't necessarily have to go into the dark ourselves in order to empathize. Do you know what I mean? Totally, and and very well put. So a lot of times when things are kind of tense, I'll walk into a room sort of the way Don Knotts would and shake his gun in the West, um, <laughs> where I think I've got it going on, but I really have nothing going on. And that's the funny thing for me is it can totally diffuse the way a situation is because people kind of laugh and you know, as my daughter will say, 16 years old and 100 pounds, she'll go, come at me. Um, <laughs> it's just fun, you know, and, and it gives everybody a chance just to relax. And I think what I've, the feedback I have from people, too, is I don't rattle easy, you know, and, and having that sort of just humorous kind of approach to things or light approach to things doesn't... Um, have people panic around me. It's kind of calming uh, for people to see that and hear that. And and that's, yes. one, of, that's one of the things I, I sort of saw from adults growing up was that they all had that kind of calming influence. They could deliver a one line. Everybody kind of chuckled. You kind of regrouped, and it was calming. Yes, and I think that's a fine line that's really hard sometimes for a lot of people to walk, especially if it's within a challenging situation, to be able to stay in that place of light without minimizing, you know, yep. the experience, right, or yep. what the other person yep. is going through. It really is a fine line. Absolutely. Unless it comes yes. <laughs> yeah, because if we minimize, that really demoralizes people and dismisses them, and we never want to do that. And at the same time, I don't know if we want to maximize either. So somewhere in there is that little bit of humor that just, I find just keeps it real for people. Um, I, I remember when I was an usher and I was all of 16 years old and, but I really loved the work and I loved watching all those movies and it really helped with setting up a joke and having the right material, the delivery and, and purposely screwing it all up and seeing what that looks like. And, and I remember at a certain point, our manager had gone home and, and I was sort of left with the projectionist to kind of run the show and, and we'd have people coming out to get their popcorn and, and pop. And I would purposely lick my lip and put a little popcorn kernel on my bottom lip, just in the corner, not too obvious. And, just watch people's reaction and they'd come out and they'd kind of stare at my lip but not try to make it too obvious. And they'd say, well, can I have a medium Coke? And so as I'm pouring the Coke, I'm saying things like, how's the movie? Good. So you really like it? You like comedy? Yeah. Um, would you like some popcorn? It's really good tonight. And, of course, <laughs> nobody ever bought the popcorn. But it's just a really <laughs> playful way to engage people again. And, yeah. and, and again, growing up in the house I did, we played jokes on ourselves and each other all the time. And it was never, or at least not intended to be mean spirited because then it's not funny anymore to me. Exactly. Because if somebody is not laughing, right, you know, yeah. that's part of that whole interaction, then it, you're right. It isn't funny anymore. So, and sometimes we do stumble down that path, you know, mm -hmm. and that happens, but, um, like you said, and you know, 
you learn from that and you find your, your balance with that. And, and a lot of the times too, I find in those kinds of scenarios that remember you said earlier that real genuine humor and being funny comes from a loving place. So if I've injected something and it's had that kind of effect, then if I get clear with myself, I'm usually, you know, uh, aware that I wasn't coming from a loving place. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think people know whether what you're saying is authentic or not. I I remember we were kind of in a really touchy meeting a few years ago, and uh, I was working with this older woman who was at the point where she couldn't drive anymore, and yet she really wanted to drive. And it just so happened that she picked up her vehicle from a garage where it had been maintained, but the, the gentleman who was in the seat before she got in it was about six foot six. And she was about five feet tall. So when she got in the vehicle, she didn't realize it, but she couldn't reach the pedals. And she ended up going around and around and around and then eventually smashed into the garage. And thankfully, nobody was hurt. But I said to her, you know, I'm glad you're okay. But, you know, I think you were one of the pioneers for this whole drive-through idea concept. And (laughs) she loved it, you know. But... You have to know your audience. You have to know where people are at. And and that was how I kind of, again, tried to navigate this loss for her because there's there's real grief around that independence and being able to drive and go wherever you want, whenever you want. And she was letting go of that as she aged. And so I tried to be gentle around that, but still at the same time had this really funny picture in my head of her going around in circles. And Oh, God. And yeah, and eventually we, we could all laugh at it, but we had to sort of dip our toe in the water with the drive through idea. And she liked that. So later on we could explore it. Um, but again, humor is just such a nice way of painting the, the canvas of our lives. And we can use, I try to use watercolors just real gently and, and people respond. <laughs> I love that, Rob. On that note, let's take another quick little break before we're getting close to wrapping up, actually, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Serving Consciously. I'm Elizabeth Bishop, and we'll be right back with Rob Barrett. Are you a helping professional looking for inspiration, resources, and community? Visit socialworkhelper.com for relevant articles and learning opportunities. Connect with other difference makers in the world. Socialworkhelper.com Tired of the same old boring training sessions? You know, those ones you sit in all day and take very little from. Head over to ElizabethBishopConsulting.com to learn more about the conscious service approach. 
and how your organization can benefit from webinars, online programs, and in-person workshops. Renew your sense of connection with yourself and others in real and meaningful ways. Be inspired. Be encouraged. Be energized. Be you and love what you do. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Serving Consciously. I'm Elizabeth Bishop, your host, and we are having a wonderful time talking with my guest, Rob Barrett, today about the role of humor in enlightened communication. And, and you were just saying, Rob, the importance of really knowing your audience. And that audience could be a whole group of people that you work with all the time, or it could be an individual that you've just met. And so to me, that's really having a sense of, of being connected present and engaged in the moment so that you're able to pick up on that yeah, energy, right? Yeah, absolutely. One of the times early on in my career where I didn't know the audience uh, was I was working at Westway here in Thunder Bay in those days. And of course, that's a little not-for-profit respite care organization. And it was, I don't know what was in my head, but I thought this was going to be funny where it was the Friday before a long weekend and there had been a break-in, and whoever broke in went around and, and stole different items from people's desks and things. And anyway, we, we changed the locks, and so it wasn't a worry anymore. But I thought it would be really funny if I put up a whole bunch of signs that pointed the burglars to a fundraising we jar, jar we had at the end of the building. And so every time, if they were to break in, I had a sign or an arrow saying this way robbers to the cash. And then I had, you know, dollar signs and, and different things that pointed them to, it was like a dress down day kind of thing. And then we would have given it to United Way or one of those organizations, maybe a couple right. of hundred dollars. And didn't they break in again? And they, they stole the money. And so it was reported to the police. And I'll never forget the investigating officer saying, so uh, you were the guy who made the signs. I could not stop laughing because I thought, what are the chances this little not-for-profit? We don't have any money laying around, really. Like, what would be the motivation? But according to this officer, like, quite often that's the pattern with these folks. They'll come back again because they've kind of cased the joint, quote-unquote. And, um, yeah, that was one where I really didn't know my audience. But I just thought it was so funny. I was snickering the whole time I was doing those signs. Um, wow. I haven't done that since. <laughs> I've learned. Look, look at your powerful, uh, your powers of uh, creative manifestation. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. And then I remember I, my brother had a lawn care business at home and I, I work for him quite often in the summers. And I remember I was fertilizing a lawn and this dog came out of nowhere and started chasing me all over the yard. And I kind of escaped with my life. And then it was about a week or two later when the owner of that lawn phone and was complaining to my brother saying, I don't know what the heck happened. 
And when I went over and looked at it, you could tell that I'd been chased all over the yard because there was fertilizer and it was growing on the uneven different spots where the fertilizer had hit. And when I explained it to him, he actually laughed his head off and said, oh, I get it. Like that dog's vicious. They should keep him on a leash. It shouldn't be in my yard. Um, but he actually understood it. And that was, that was kind of nice because, well, we ended up doing his lawn again and, and all of that, but it was like a scene from a movie, you know, where this dog came out of nowhere and I'm trying to keep it at bay with the fertilizer and, well, it did a horrible <laughs> job. Thank God I got into social work. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I love that. That's hilarious. <laughs> I have a similar story uh, of uh, footprints, footprints in the, in the snow, snow in the backyard when I was trying to hide, to hide something from my parents, parents after, after having, having a party, party when they'd been out of town, but I won't tell that one. <laughs> That's for part two. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so now in our last few minutes here, Rob, before we close up, I'm wondering if you um, have anything you'd like to share with the listeners about anything that's going on, projects or things that you're working on, anything you want to tell people about, uh, yes, employment services, things for the new year? Yeah, I guess for for us, it's it's just about revisiting our roots. We, we have just finished celebrating our 35 years in the employment business and we started in 1981 and and started primarily just as a youth employment organization and now we basically serve anybody or everybody who happens to be looking for a job and and not only that we also are a very strong link to education and and uh, training so it's very exciting because in the time I've been here in the last two and a half years I've seen a lot of those success stories of Maybe a youth who isn't connected to their family anymore and isn't connected to a school. Uh, maybe they're even homeless and maybe there's addictions and mental health issues. And we've been able to make such strong connections with them. A lot of times using humor and, and just being really real with folks that they've been able to turn their lives around. And it's just such a privilege to be part of that journey. And likewise, on the other end of the continuum are those older folks who also have maybe been laid off or they thought they could retire at this point but can't afford it. And so we're able to bring them back into our office, maybe look at some upgrading or education, or actually we've been able to find their dream job when they they thought they had no other alternatives and weren't even employable. So it's just, once again, I I, I get goosebumps when I think about the kind of work that we do here. And it's just a privilege to be a part of it and to even talk about it. That's wonderful, Rob. And really, as you were saying that, I'm thinking, you know, I mean, that's just joy in being able to serve people. And but really, when we talk about employment and we look at sort of things in our society nowadays, um, having that positive, optimistic attitude, which to me is evidence of of lightness and of joy, is so important in actually making strides you know and helping people to to gain employment i think it's beautiful so yeah. how could people find you where where's uh, where's the website for yes can you tell people the website and your email yeah it's yeah, the website is www.yesjobsnow.com um mm-hmm. or even if they just type in employment services thunder bay and um yeah they can email uh, me at rbarrett at yesjobsnow.com uh, I would certainly love to hear from people. 
Um, and we just are really well connected in Thunder Bay, and, and we also have an office just an hour east of Thunder Bay in Nipigon, so we serve that area as well. And we have a lot of really good service partners in the community and the surrounding area. The employers we work with are phenomenal. And even our ministry, um, the Ministry of Advanced Education and Skill Development, is just a dream to work with. And so timing is everything. And right now I just feel like I couldn't be in a better place at a better time. It sure sounds like it when you think about your background and the different areas that you've worked in and all that experience that you've gained through that journey, you know, that have brought you now to this place and the relationships that, you know, the creation of community that you've been been able to spearhead there as well is so powerful um, because really when you're talking about employment, you, you need to have that connection and that co-creative energy with partners, right, to make those things happen. Yeah, so far so good. I hope it does work out because otherwise coming back in and getting help with career cruising and my resume might feel a little awkward, but I do it. <laughs> you never know. The longer you stay in the field, sometimes the more opportunity there is to be on the other side of the fence, right? It's true. It's awesome. Well, Rob, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I know that the listeners are going to uh, have a ball with um, – this interview and get a lot out of it. And, and I think that it's time in being of service and serving consciously to really look at how we can come into our communication in enlightened ways and bring, um, joy, a sense of joy in who we are, including humor into that equation. So I want to thank you so much for being here and talking to us about that today. That felt like five minutes. Thank you for making that so pleasurable. So much fun. And thank you, everyone, for listening today. And I wish you all a wonderful, wonderful holiday season and the very, very best of the new year. We'll be back in January. And please look for me on Facebook. You can look for me at Elizabeth Bishop Consulting on Facebook or follow me on Twitter at AskElizabethB or at um, ElizabethBishopConsulting.com where my website is. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Serving Consciously. Enjoy your holidays and stay warm, everybody. Take care. You've been listening to Serving Consciously with your host, Elizabeth Bishop. Consciously create your approach to work. Visit www.elizabethbishopconsulting.com. Join us on every second and fourth Friday at noon to continue rediscovering your passion. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine and More. It's peak season for asparagus, which pairs perfectly with a light and crisp rosé. Many bottles of champagne and sparkling wines are perfect for adult Easter baskets. And they're really cute, too. My perfect brunch? Belgian waffles with extra whipped cream and a holiday pour of your sweetest rosé. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this spring at Total Wine and More. Cheers! Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine and More. Every bunny loves honey glazed carrots, a great side dish for your springtime celebration and a delicious compliment to a sweet, bright Moscato. Wine is made in virtually every country in the world, and I'm ready to give you a tour to find the right one. Serving lamb this season? Try it with a bold Cabernet from the trendy Paso Robles region. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this spring at Total Wine and More. Cheers! <laughs>